Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we're going to recap an incredible championship weekend of NFL playoff games. All the down-to-the-wire action, the takeaways from the teams that are advancing, and some draft nuggets and things that we believe these teams should do moving forward for the two teams that lost. We're also going to be recapping a lot of what we saw from the 2022 Shrine Bowl. We're going to talk about the prospects we were looking forward to going into the week. Some prospects that have really stood out to us and impressed us on the practice field and in the meeting rooms during the week. And mainly our big takeaways, some guys that you should have your eyes on looking forward to the 2022 NFL draft. I am Trevor Sycamore with me as always is my co-host Connor Rogers. Let's get after it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Connor Rogers. And today we are here to not only recap what was another unbelievable weekend of playoff football in the NFL, but also give you guys the everything you need to know about the 2022 Shrine Bowl. I'm in Vegas right now, boots on the ground. Connor, he's been observing from afar, getting all the practice tape. We've got some guys that we really like that we've been watching over the last couple of days that you guys need to keep your eyes on as we move forward here in the NFL draft process. But before we get to all that, Connor, my man, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. It's exciting sitting here as we record late on Sunday evening. Uh, It's Senior Bowl Eve. You're coming from Vegas. I'm coming from the Northeast, and we'll head down to Mobile. We'll be there by Monday night. Don't worry, everyone. You'll still get your Tuesday show as well, which will be the Senior Bowl preview while you're getting a mini Shrine recap today. And we're coming off a wild conference championship weekend. So it's a lot of fun, man. This time of year is just the ultimate intersection of every level of football. It's awesome. We are stacking some serious podcasts up here on the Monday and Tuesday episodes. You and I were texting actually yesterday, and I kind of texted you out of the blue, and I was just like, dude, I'm itching to do the podcast. Fell long. It, yeah, I, fell I, long, I, man. It, it did. I, I like this setup here with three days a week, us really hammering home some football news on Monday and Tuesday, giving you guys a Thursday pod, giving it a little bit of a time to breathe, which I think will get you guys ready and jonesing for another podcast, just like we were jonesing to record this one. Dude. I, we're going to get to these Shrine Bowl prospects because there's a lot of really great highlights and some players that I want to get on people's radar. But, oh man, Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, 49ers. It absolutely lived up to the same hype that we have seen from the divisional round that is just good game after good game, unbelievable performances down to the wire. Let's start with Bengals, Kansas City, man. Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. How much did you think it was it was over? Be honest with me. How much did you think that was over when the Chiefs were up 21 to 3 on the Bengals in the first half? Where was your mind? I'll say this, Trevor, even after the stop with five seconds and the clock just runs out at the half, which the Bengals had to have, I still looked at that and said, man, that probably didn't save the game for them but it might save my cover, right? I said when this opened, (laughs) Bengals 7, they'll backdoor their way into this. They'll hang around. They're pesky. They're feisty. They're competitive. They won't lay over for anyone. So I loved them at getting 7 points. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the Chiefs scored, what, 3 points in the second half, everything's clicking for the Bengals. You get some big plays. You get those wide receivers going. You get Joe Burrow going. But the defense stepping up in the biggest way and making big plays. Yeah, I will be honest with you. I I didn't think they'd be able to win the game with the first half they had. 
But man, to do that against the Chiefs the way they did, just wildly impressive. It was such, it was so big, right? And we went into the game thinking, okay, if the Bengals are going to win this football game against the Chiefs, it's going to be off the sweat of Joe Burrow's brow, right? It is just going to be on his shoulders and it was going to be a one-man show. But where Burrow obviously played well, got them in position to win the game, you mentioned it and I'm glad you did. I'm glad you hammered that point home right away. It was the defense, dude. Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense looked awesome awful in that second half they look terrible that's one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play especially since he's been solidified as the starter and so man it just this unstoppable offense I think in the first half really to gain the lead that they did and make a lot of people myself included think the game was probably over at halftime that defense was just such a big turnaround and you look at the guys that they've added over the last couple of years, Trey Hendrickson, Jesse Bates, obviously is a few years back, but he is such a crucial part of what they do in that secondary. You got Mike Hilton, you got Chidobi Awuzie, you've got those young linebackers, DJ reader, uh, Sam Hubbard. Got, it, it's just, there's, they're not like superstars sitting there on no. the Bengals defense, but they've all played really, really well together, especially down the stretch. And it's crazy to say it, but the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, and a big reason why is because of how well that defense has played as of late. It's unbelievable. It feels like we're waiting for like the next round of the playoffs, and then we'll talk Super Bowl. And it's like, no, this is this You're was right. the conference championship. Like the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals are in the <laughs> Super Bowl, and that and that just you know when you look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, what they did in 2019, and how quickly it's translated to the NFL. But you absolutely nailed it that the defense is playing as a collective unit rather than getting star power. And you do see at times that takeover. You see it with the Rams a lot. Obviously, Aaron Donald can take over a game and they're in the Super Bowl. But the Bengals, as a, they're playing as a unit. I thought they did a good job, in, especially in the second half, of not overrushing Mahomes as much. They had some big sacks on him. They obviously had the takeaways or forced bad decision-making. Uh, that secondary can play the ball in the air. We know what Jesse Bates can do to make a play on the football. So, and, and they tackled up front. You have to tackle up front. So I just think when you look at it, it's so interesting to see that team that you're right. It doesn't have the stars. It's not like they've drafted a, a chase young for the defense or anything like that. Right. They are just a well-coached defense that plays together while the offense is where they've invested serious capital, whether it's Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick, Joe Mixon with a top 50 pick, Jamar Chase, uh, obviously a top 10 pick, T. Higgins with a top 50 pick. You know, it, they just have a lot. But the offensive line struggled, but they find ways to make it work and get explosive plays, and they've invested so many assets. So they've showed you one way you can build. And when we talk about the Rams, we'll just talk about a totally different way to build. And I think it's really cool for the Bengals, the fact that I think at the end of the day, what matters is Trevor and it's cliche, but they have a big game quarterback. They have a guy that when the lights are the right. brightest, right. he is at his best. And when the moment gets cranked up, the pressure gets cranked up, he is completely in control and gets the job done. And honestly, you cannot be where you are if the Bengals without their kicker and Evan McPherson. It's insane to say Florida Gator, guy, great baby, fellow he's Gator like the alumni, AFC Robbie baby. Gould. He's now like the AFC Robbie Gould. And I know he's got a long time before he gets to that status, uh, but he's been lights out in this postseason. Do Do you think that he went up to Burrow as he was running on the field, like he did for the uh, the the? It was the wild card game, right? Where he where yeah, he said yeah, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. It was it was the divisional, divisional round game. Divisional. And it was he, just last he, week. he said. 
guess we're going to the AFC Championship. Do you think he went up to Joe Burrow and said, hey, guess we're going to the Super Bowl right before he kicked it? I got to think that he did. I got to think that he did. I would think so. I think it's a thing now at this point. I think there's going to be some moment in the Super Bowl where it's like, guess we got to go get fitted for our rings. Let's get it done. And then he misses and everything melts down. But no, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Man, I I think when you – we'll have plenty of time to to break down the Bengals and what they do well and and preview that Super Bowl a little bit. But turning the page over to the Chiefs, I know it was was a super up-and-down year for the Chiefs. And obviously, like Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback that he is, I don't think the Chiefs are going anywhere. They're going to be contenders for a long time as long as Mahomes is Mahomes. And they have those two offensive weapons in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. But I'm going to tell you, man, the defense for Kansas City – did their job, right? I mean, like they held yeah, Burrow to under totally. 30 points, 250 yards passing for Joe Burrow, only 88 totally. rushing yards on 21 carries for Joe Mixon. Jamar Chase didn't have 100 yards, right? The Kansas City defense did their job. And I think it goes back to what the Chiefs really might need to continue this dominant force that they've been. And I think it is that wide receiver three position. I know it's yeah. just silly to say out loud, like, okay, they have probably the best tight end in the world, one of the best wide receivers in the world, maybe the best wide receiver in the world. Oh, what do you need more? Like, it's that scene from Endgame where Wong says to Dr. Strange, like, what, like, you wanted more? You have two of the greatest players in the game to go along with your generational quarterback. But I think with this being a draft pro- podcast, and now we're kind of turning the page with Kansas City, I think it's what we got to talk about. I think corner is still on the table for them as well. But if one of the really good wide receivers in this class slips to them at the back end of the first round, they might take the bait on it. I mean, Trevor, look how the AFC is forming, right? How it's coming together with the teams at the top. And obviously we're looking at the Bengals who they have weapon after weapon and they can play the quick game even when their offensive line is falling apart. And I'm not saying just the Bengals, but I think a lot of teams are going to trail this method or are going, you know, the chargers, I think can get there eventually. I think they can be that kind of team. I think now that Josh McDaniels was hired with the Raiders, yes, they're going to be very run heavy, but when you look at what the new England offense has done as well, I think they're another team that will look to add to their skill talent group, utilize Waller to, you know, and Renfro, but also get another guy in there and really maximize their car. I think there's going to be a shift in the AFC, especially with all this quarterback talent, that and we know what the bills can do right forget it i mean the bills are loaded there right if you don't have three weapons at wide receiver and a legitimate game-changing tight end a guy that's athletic enough to run the seam and block in your run game i don't know how you're gonna hang with these teams i I don't the bills the bengals the chiefs i don't know how you're gonna hang with these teams and and god what what if the broncos get a quarterback i mean (laughs) if the broncos get a quarterback they get the weapons are all there already so i think you nailed it i think the chiefs Forget the defense. Forget it. Sit where you are in the draft, and whatever one of the top five or six wide receivers we just talked about on Thursday, take them. Man, if 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 the Broncos were to get Aaron Rodgers, let's just open up Pandora's box right there and say that sure, if that world not? exists, then all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and then Derek Carr. Think whatever you want about Derek Carr. Derek Don't Carr is a Raiders. good quarterback, and he, yep. is the, he is objectively, without a doubt, the fourth best quarterback in that division. That is some crazy quarterback competition if that's the case, if Rodgers ends up making the move down to Denver. And so, yeah, if I mean, certainly, if that happens, or even if it doesn't, you're right. The rest of the NFL, it's an arms race. We say that all the time, but it's not a cliche. It's a motto. It's, it's something that... Every team is looking at and all the teams that you're going to see at the top of Super Bowls and AFC and NFC championships over the next couple of years, they're going to have that formula, I think, more often than not. Let's flip over to the other game, San Francisco, Los Angeles. 
Matt Stafford, he gets it done. He gets it done in the end. They win 20 to 17. He gets over the hump. Stafford finally gets to a Super Bowl. We've now got number one, former number one pick versus former number one pick. It's only happened once before. I believe Dane Brugler is the one who said this on Twitter. Uh, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. He's the only time that wow. it has happened before. And so we have another matchup here. And man, I just love to hear your overall thoughts. Obviously, the Rams played well with their defense. Ramsey shined. Donald shined. Von Miller was a factor as well. Cooper Cup, you just can't stop the man. I love the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. had 11 targets, nine catches, 113 yards himself. Man, I love seeing that kind of Odell Beckham Jr. now in the playoffs. So tell me what you loved about the Rams and just big takeaways overall from this game. Well, number one, it's pretty cool to see Stafford get to this point, right? Yeah, and, and there's no is. doubt it's this awesome. roster was tailor-made for a Super Bowl. The, the roster was good. You have star talent on defense with Donald and Ramsey. Everybody knows that. I think they've even gotten a lot more out of Weddle than I ever expected when that signing was made. Uh, I think when you look at the offense, of course, you know, with hitting on the cup pick, I mean, let's not forget they lost Robert Woods for the season, and they're still going to the Super Bowl. That is, Nuts. speaking of the whole three-wide receiver plan, Let's not forget, they had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and we like Van Jefferson, but they said, hey, we'll still get Odell, and then we really have our three wide receivers. We even feel good about four wide receivers, and then Robert Woods obviously tears the knee up, and, and then, they still have the three wide they also receivers. Draft, they also drafted Tutu Atwell in the second well, round, yeah, right? Great plan. Right? Oh, I mean, my like, God. The, I mean, okay, okay, that, that one didn't work yeah, out. But you're right. We, you're right. They're thinking it, though. You're right. right. They're thinking yes. it. Yep. So, yeah, they're th obviously thinking uh, that plan – when you use a top 60 pick on 2-2 Atwell, say what you want about the player, right, who had no business ever going in day two of the draft, but the thought process was we need speed and we need more you know, explosive plays from our wide receiver corps. So, I mean, when you look at the Rams, right, this is a totally different way to build it. This is a, and this is something that we have never really seen before in the NFL. This is a, we're all in, we're going to trade the picks for stars, we're going to spend every last dollar, we believe we have a young coach that is at his absolute, you know, he's dialed in. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. We were able to go get the quarterback that we think he needed to take us over the hump. We got the lockdown corner. Aaron Donald was already there, but you get the point of that. And they paid him the big money. Right. And then they've used picks like you just alluded to Trevor on a lot of different skill talent over the years. And, and they've hit on enough of that skill talent where it's worked, but they also traded for Von Miller. They've traded all of their recent picks. As soon as they saw a little window start to open up, they said, every last chip on the table. I don't want to go home. If I don't win it all, I don't want to go home with $5 in my pocket. I don't want to go home with $20 in my pocket. So this is a totally unique strategy. And you know what? You got to give credit where it's due. Less Sneed and Sean McVay, because Sean McVay has a lot of saying personnel over there as well. Uh, this was a you know, big balls move. There's no other way to say it. And right now the Rams are in a Super Bowl because they didn't take any half measures. They, you know, they saw Jared Goff as their one thing holding them back maybe from winning a title, not getting to a title, winning a title. They went and got Matt Stafford, right? They thought they'll get the pass rush and say, well, teams can take away an Aaron Donald. We need more of an edge presence, right? We got the guy that could push the pocket. Can we get the guy that can win outside? And now they got Von Miller. Uh, so and then OBJ when teams are starting to bracket cup do we have OBJ on the other side they've gotten enough yep. out of him uh, it's just an all-out effort to win a Super Bowl and that is good for the NFL I think in my eyes I, I it's really good to see it's not always going to work teams are going to fail doing this but this time you got to give credit where it's due it worked and they're in the Super Bowl
Yeah, not uh, not going home with a with a five or a twenty or anything in your pocket sounds a lot like me playing roulette and blackjack last <laughs> night. Vegas. But uh, you know, we don't we don't have to we don't have to talk too much about my gambling losses here on this show. Although this trip, I will admit, has not been kind to your boy. So uh, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, you win some, you win some. That's Make it Vegas, back in the sports book. I would. That's tomorrow. true. That that's oh, <laughs> hockey bets. That's the way to go for sure. No. It, okay. So you mentioned it. I mean, they don't have a they don't have a first round pick until 2024. And another team that doesn't have a first round pick is the San Francisco 49ers here because they gave up a lot of their first round picks to go up and get Trey Lance. And I think the biggest draft takeaway that I have with the San Francisco 49ers is very simple. It is start Trey Lance. It is do not leave yeah, right. a shadow of a doubt that Trey Lance is the guy going into next season. And when I say that, you know what I mean. Trade Jimmy, get him off the roster. Do not do this next year. Don't even, don't, do not dip your foot in. I, I don't think Jimmy Grapple is a free agent. Is he a free agent? I didn't think he was a free agent. Is he? I can't no, remember. I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. Okay. I just, I, I was literally thinking about that as I was going on a passionate rant. I didn't want to be completely wrong. So whether he's a free agent or not, which I don't believe he is a free agent, Jimmy Grapple should One more not... year, Trevor. One okay, more thank year. You. Thank you. Thank you. Easy to he cut. Sh- Easy cut. He should not be on the 49ers roster next year. I'm sorry that I'm I'm no, not saying that that doesn't mean that Jimmy is this awful quarterback that he's got a guy who shouldn't be in the NFL. Maybe that you can't even give another starting job to. I think that he see his ceiling is limited. I think that we've seen that plenty of times. So I'm not sure that I'd invest in him, but the NFL, I think seems to like him a decent amount. So, but my whole point is you have Trey Lance on the roster. It was a big question mark why they weren't playing Trey Lance already this season. And it got to the point, I think where they were like, all right, you know, we're going to we're, we're going to stick with the veteran. We're not going to be wishy-washy about it, which I respect Kyle Shanahan for. And once they started to make their potential playoff run and they got into the postseason, they stuck to Jimmy because he got him there. I think that was always the right call. I feel like they could have used Trey Lance a little bit more, but maybe that would have created some divisiveness. So I don't totally hate it for them. Next year, this can't exist. It cannot exist. Jimmy Garoppolo cannot be on the roster for the 49ers next year. Trade him for something that, Get whatever for him. I don't care. I don't even care if the price is not great. You have to get him off the roster. It has to be Trey Lance. No second thoughts, no reservations, nothing. So honestly, man, that's my biggest draft takeaway with the 49ers who use draft capital in the future to already go up and get their prize possession quarterback at Trey Lance. It's just got to be his time next year. No, you're right. There's and I've been looking at the contract details, you know, since you brought it up and he's got one more year left. The cap hit is about 27 million if they can't find a trade partner, which I think they will, if he agrees to a restructure wherever he goes, they can cut him and save almost all the money, Trevor, besides 1.4 million. So Jimmy, I don't think he'll be on that roster next year unless there is some kind of complete divide over somebody thinks Trey can't play and Jimmy needs to be there. And if that happens, the Niners have way more bigger problems than this argument over Jimmy being on the roster or not. So I, I think you're right. I think it's a shame. It, it came down to it. They were limited and hamstrung, uh, you know, by his his floor, his ceiling, the lack thereof. There was no ceiling for Jimmy. And you know what? I think there are teams that would be interested in him. I don't think he's, you know, he's that guy that he's really not good enough to take you as far as you want to go most of the time right. in the playoffs unless right. everything's perfect. But he's definitely not bad enough where I don't think he should be starting in this league. There was a lot of bad starting quarterback play across this league. And, right. you know, Niners fans, I know you want more and you should want more because you want a Super Bowl. But there's teams in that bottom 10 that Jimmy could be a stopgap. Jimmy could be a, a backup for a young player. I think he'll be a starter next year. So you're right. I think when it came down to the Niners, I think everybody's looking at it. And I do. I agree with this. Looking at it as, wow, they made it 
you know, without their number three overall pick that they traded up for and gave up all these assets and they lost all those assets and couldn't make a lot of picks, they almost made it to the Super Bowl anyway. But I think there is also part of it that you have to sit there and go, wow, Kyle Shanahan and that staff, and and they might lose some of that staff. Mike McDaniel's got an interview, a second interview with the Dolphins. We'll see where that goes. But Kyle Shanahan and that staff, a really good defensive staff as well, uh, they are that good that even with a limited Jimmy Garoppolo, that they Great almost point. made it to the Super Bowl. So if they can really key in, develop Trey Lance, the things they asked Jimmy to do in this postseason, Trevor, it kind of makes you wonder, like, why didn't they just roll the dice with Trey? If those are the things they're asking Jimmy to do, you feel like you think Trey would somewhat be able to handle that. Jimmy was throwing some wild interceptable passes out there. So you're like, why don't go with the young guy? But next year, we don't have to worry about that. you got to roll with the young guy and see where it goes. And I think that for the Niners, you you feel so good about what you have built in that's not going away. And, and that's your head coach and the staff that he continues to develop, that Shanahan tree. You have a good young roster, but all eyes now are on the development of Trey Lance. As in my eyes and your eyes, Jimmy Garoppolo era is over in San Francisco. Yeah, I think that it definitely should be. And, and you know, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on Trey Lance because, you know, we talked about, okay, Trevor Lawrence had some struggles early on. Justin Fields had some struggles early on. And, and honestly, you know, we pointed those out when they were bad just because that's what a lot of NFL fans do. They go, oh, sure. look, look how much he's struggling. But in reality, when you looked at their scouting report and their projections – these I think a lot of these guys it, it lined up you know you could even throw Zach Wilson in there right coming oh, from yeah. an incredible offensive line that he had at BYU having all the confidence in the world and playing against lesser competition right how these guys struggled from last year's class I, I think it was it was pretty spot on with their projections and Trey Lance was kind of the same thing in the fact that he wasn't able to totally dethrone a veteran quarterback who has been good enough to take a good team around him to the Super Bowl because look Trey Lance has only had one year as a starter one for as much as we like Trey Lance he had one year FCS. as a in the in the FCS at NDSU which NDSU often just demolishes teams around them because they're a lot more talented than them he started as a true sophomore and he only got one game one game that he played uh in his junior year due to COVID-19 and and everything that that, that, that happened with that college football season so you figured he was going to be very behind the eight ball. And I think that's exactly what we saw. NFL speed, NFL terminology, all of this stuff was probably too much for him. And I think that Kyle Shanahan understood early on that this was going to be a redshirt year for Trey Lance. And this was a redshirt year. And now you better hope that he's ready and it's time uh, for, for for next season. Uh, anything else on, on Trey Lance, the Niners, anything before we uh, move on to some of these Shrine Bowl participants? I'm sure the Niners fans listening right now are, are are grieving, disappointed, or you know. But if I were you, I mean, me as an outsider, me not as a Niners fan, I'm really excited to see where this team can go because I just I can't say it enough. I love how well they're coached on each all three phases of the game. Yep. They have a lot of young, sustainable talent that's going to be there for long. For long, they got in my eyes the best offensive player uh, that's not a quarterback in football, and Debo Samuel. And you just have a system that works. So if Trey can be what we think he can be, how we evaluated him as a prospect, I think really good things are ahead for them. Yep, 
I would agree with you. Hey, right now you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you guys use the promo code NFLSE. I had a couple of people reach out to me who tried to use the promo code previously and the promo code wasn't working for them. It does now. I I promise you, it does now. Go to PFF.com, use the promo code NFLSE. What do you get with the PFF subscription? Well, you get all of PFF's locked article content. So all those premium articles that we put out on the site, all access to the betting tools, the betting dashboard, the green line betting tool that we have, player props, all that stuff, over-unders, which way you guys should bet. Of course, with the NFL draft guy, which is going to be coming up as we get closer to the draft. It's constantly updated. Mike Renner does a ton of legwork on that. And on that. And then once we get towards the season, fantasy football as well. If you're big into fantasy football, you get the fantasy football guy and all that kinds of stuff. So if you don't have a PFF subscription, this is a great way to get it. Get 25% off whatever subscription, either an edge or an elite, when you use the promo code NFLSE. Appreciate it if you use the promo code. That really obviously uh, helps us out here on this podcast. So I am in Las Vegas, Nevada. I am boots on the ground here at the 2022 Shrine Bowl. Connor couldn't make it. I've already given him enough shit about that. So I'm not going to do that <laughs> here live. He wishes he wishes that he was here too. So uh, so I know that that was all there. But man, I, first, of, first of all, before we get into some of these prospects, hat is off to Eric Galco and everyone on this East-West Shrine staff. They moved the game from St. Pete to Las Vegas. They also changed the time in which it was happening. They pushed it it a little bit closer towards the Pro Bowl. I think that they're going to want to get something together with the Pro Bowl and kind of make it a big event here in Las Vegas in the future. But it's been awesome. They've been so accommodating to all different types of media, guys who are coming from all across the country to really get an extra set of eyes on some of these prospects and enjoy one of the more premier all-star events that we have in this in this circuit. And so the players have been so accessible. They've been they've done a great job of allowing us to get to sit down and get to know these guys beyond just seeing what they do uh, on the field and, and and that kind of product there. That's been great getting the film from all the practices and we're practicing at UNLV, which is a beautiful facility. Shout out to them. Uh, the the practice that they have. Monday, so when you guys are listening to this, is actually in Allegiant Stadium, which it's I'm awesome. super excited to go into. But just wanted to give a shout out to to all the hard work that uh, that Eric Galco and his staff have done to, to to make this a really great event. I know it takes a lot to change locations and change weeks, and he did that all in one year, and uh, I think they pulled it off really well. So it's been great to be here, Connor. I know that you love to be here. Hopefully that we're both here uh, next year as well. But as for some guys that you had on your radar going into Shrine Week. Who are some players that you really like that you want to give a shout out to? And then if I've been able to get some some good eyeballs and some good notes on them, I, I will echo some of those as well. Yeah, man, it's it's you know, I, I got to be there next year, obviously, um, with everything going on as the pandemic, some the pandy just somehow cranked back up. Um, you know, it's been traveling has been crazy. I will be in mobile the entire week and the intersection of the two events made things Hell yeah. a little bit hectic as we split things up at BR. So really excited to get down to mobile on the ground. Uh, but we'll definitely do everything I can to make uh, both games work next year as long as there's not as much crossover. So it's great to have you there, man, because I've gotten to watch a lot of tape on these guys, and now they get to take it to the practice field at a all-star event, right? This is an all-star game. They are playing up against really good players on there. So Trevor, I'm going to throw five names at you that uh, they these are the guys that stood out to me on the Shrine list. When the Shrine roster came down, okay. I said, these are the five that I've loved the tape. Um, yeah, the other guys have been pretty good, but these are the five that I'm most excited to hear. They've been doing wide receiver Javon Hiley from Coastal Carolina. I think that's a name that 
a lot of people know right now, really good route runner, just really good at separating, very productive, good hands. Uh, Edge, Ali Fayed, uh, a guy that just is explosive. I think he's a little undersized. I think he's a little slender, but he's someone that has shown a, a good pass rush plan this year. I think he's shown that he, the spin move is a legit weapon is in yes. his arsenal to yes. beat tackles. And I'm sure that's appeared on the practice field as well. So when I watch uh, Fayed, He's someone that can win with speed, can win on the inside, can can show off that spin move. And I want to see him, you know, maybe even get a little bit stronger at the NFL level and turn into maybe a rotational pass rusher on the outside. Cornerback Dallas Flowers, uh, edge Jeffrey Gunter, another Coastal Carolina prospect, really a lot of power in his game. And tight end Derek Deese Jr. from San Jose State, who I should thought developed well as a blocker this year while already having receiving ability. So those five to me stood out. But I'm excited to hear about everyone you want to talk about. But do any of those five, uh, do you want to highlight from what you've seen translating from the game tape now on to the practice fields in Vegas? Yeah, I'll start with Western Michigan edge rusher Ali Fayad. And I, I had the chance to not just watch him in practice, but also get to sit down and interview him a little bit. And when we were on the practice field, you know, you mentioned uh, that spin move that he has, and that was on full display during one-on-ones. He was looking to show a lot of the pass rush moves that he had in his arsenal. He even hit a fake spin on uh, on one of the offensive tackles I saw, I did during see that, that period where film. he oh, got yeah. him pretty good. He got around, he he got around him in the, the edge chair. rusher. He sat in the he chair. Did. He did. That's that's the that's the correct uh, uh, coach speak or scouting term to really put the offensive lineman back and just get him off balance. You know, falling back in a chair because they weren't expecting that kind of a pass rush move. And so that was great to see because man, you don't often get this at these All Star events. A lot of these guys aren't as comfortable as they need to be to pull off a lot of these moves and so when you see guys especially day one throwing out a lot of their pass rush arsenal I think that you really take note of that and you go okay that is a confident pass rusher that's somebody who believes that they can be plopped into any situation any team and they can get the most out of them when I talk to him uh in between the two practices that we have watched already you know he he, he was great I, I love getting to know him a lot more he talked about how he really has enjoyed getting more experience as an outside linebacker, as a backer type, not only getting more familiar and more comfortable rushing from a two-point stance, but also dropping back into coverages. He said that's something that he's really um, taken hold of during the coaching periods when they've been on the whiteboard, getting to drop back, getting to understand his zones, getting to read the quarterback a little bit better and get a feel for coverage. So he's definitely enjoyed that, but they're really rounding him out, if you will, because he's got has a lot of experience as a three-point rusher, as a defensive end, but be getting some of those weapons to also translate into outside linebacker work is something that he has really looked forward to. And uh, part of the interview that I really loved with him is, uh, you know, I, I said to him, man, you look like you already have so many moves in your toolbox that you could go to yeah, at really any does. time. And I was like, when did this become a priority for you? One of the questions that I asked him, I was like, when did you really get into it and think, hey, I know I'm big, I know I'm fast, I know I'm strong, I know that I can win like that, but I want to win in other ways. I want to win consistently as a technical pass rusher, learning more pass rush moves. And he said it was really going into his junior year. He put a lot of effort into not just kind of watching film and, and having a lot of NFL guys that he wanted to watch, but also his mentality. Like he kind of made a conscious decision going into his junior year. 
I want to be an NFL pass rusher. Like I want to work and do what I need to do to make that happen. And he told me that he even, uh, I, I think he, he, uh, he taped the NFL logo above his bed in his room to always remind him of what That's he awesome. wanted to be. So he was constantly looking at that NFL logo and he talked a lot about kind of manifesting and, and working hard to make sure that uh, he makes his dreams a reality, basically not selling himself, not selling himself, short having this opportunity and making it happen so dude i i have really liked him he was an awesome prospect to get to know dude that's awesome to hear it's it's and it, you always like hearing the story behind why a guy took that step right because he's someone that you know considering when you look at the shrine roster right like i, I like always giving people full transparency of my process and and i am truly a one-man scouting team like when i when i do this for uh, bleacher report on the desk like it's just me and my board and like i you know i, I don't have a, a scout you know list and trevor i know for at pff it's you guys have an incredible team that you work with there but you are you have your own board like you're watching each player and making your own takes you're not doing like just the pack or the big 10 or the sec like it's the same right. thing so for me with shrine and it's been a way better process for me this year but you know you have a lot of the underclassmen that are powerhouse prospects that you know are going to declare and and you're already evaluating them, your evaluations of them, like like guys like Icky, guys like Evan Neal, like you know what they are months ago. And then you get the senior bowl roster and you're like, okay, I'm going to know all the senior bowl roster because what is it, like 98% of those guys get drafted. And then you get your hands on the Shrine game and it's like, okay, like I'm going to get through as many of these guys as I can before the All-Star game. But realistically, there's a large percentage of these guys that are going to be watches in february and march that's just mm -hmm. how it goes for a lot of them and, and a handful of them more the nflpa kind of guys but it could go down to april i've had that happen before uh but when you look at fired you know and, and all the guys i said on this list and there's a couple more these are guys that were making plays in september and october and i said i have to find time because they're standing yeah. out at such a high level in their conference that they're big time players and, and honestly trevor i think you know and this is the reality of the all-star games and you know, I, I can't wait to get out to Vegas and see what Shrine's got going on. I've been going to Mobile for, what, six years now and can't wait to be there this week. But now that they intersect, you know, we won't get to see the call-ups, right? And and he's a pass rusher that I think could have hung with the big dogs in Mobile. So when you look at players like that that have the huge breakout year, and it could be something along the lines of, you know, work ethic. It could be mentality. It could be... You know, putting more work in the weight room or at, at times you just, you you know, you get bigger and stronger. So and that, you know, if I had it's obviously looking at the NFL mentality of from technique standpoint, right? I need more moves. I need more uh, tools in the toolbox. As you said, I, I need more of a pass rush plan and see what NFL guys are doing and how I'm going to get there. And you saw it on the field this year. So I think it's just an awesome opportunity uh, when you get the background story of what led what led to such a special yeah, season. No, it, it, it's all that that's such a cool part of getting to these events is, is getting to sit down one-on-one, -on -one, get to know these guys' personalities, their demeanors, their confidence, their backgrounds, their everything, man. That's that's such a huge part of why these are great and and hopefully part of the information that we can relate to you guys because you guys out there do such a great job of, of telling us your thoughts of what you see with these guys on the film. And hopefully we do a great job on this podcast of, of relaying maybe some of the inf inside information or the close information for these prospects that can really help you when you're evaluating them talking about guys who you'd love to see on your team, or maybe you're, you're an aspiring draft analyst and you got your own big boards and just making those right decisions, having those guys in the right spot. I think those certainly go a very long way. It's time for Connor's favorite, uh, favorite ad read. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube 
wreck you. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. That's right. I said it. This Valentine's Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Holidays, they went by so quick. January is almost already done. Do you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day a little more special. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code PFF. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this valentine's day all right so i'll i'll touch on a couple shoot your arrow <laughs> it's a great takeaway isn't it it's just it's just it's phenomenal it's, it's just tremendous it's it's people, they're just absolute marketing geniuses uh i'll <laughs> shout out a couple of guys that that i've really enjoyed watching who have really popped out to me over the last couple of days or uh some of these guys have been able to sit down sit down with and talk to but not all of them we'll start with quarterbacks because of course, that's just like what everybody wants to talk about the most. It's not the strongest group here at the Shrine Bowl. We got Jack Cohn. We got Brock Purdy. We have Skylar Thompson. Uh, we got De'Eric King. Um, those guys are probably the most notable players. De'Eric King, official measurables. Small, five foot man. Eight. Whoa. He, he's, he's five foot eight, 198 pounds. Um, he's small. And you kind of knew early on that unless De'Ara King was somehow just super pinpoint accurate, was every ball was exactly where it needed to go. He was having an unbelievable camp doing that with accuracy. Uh, it just was not going to be a good outlook for him when it came to the NFL draft. And I don't think it is for the quarterback position. I mean, he's been adamant about playing quarterback. He was adamant about that when he was at Houston. Same thing with Miami. I just don't think he's going to be able to stick in the NFL at a quarterback. He, he doesn't have enough of the consistent accuracy. And the height is, is going to be a major issue. The, the two guys that I think have stood out to me the most, um, Jack Cohn and Skylar Thompson. And I don't think they've stood out in like, whoa, these guys are getting play. Like we're talking NFL playoff starters or anything over here, but they have played the best. Jack Cohen, I think that we've, we saw this past year, had his best year at Notre Dame. He's been able to carry that into the offseason. And I was pleasantly surprised with Skylar Thompson, who is a true veteran of college football, has been at Kansas State since 2016. Is that an injury that he has had to overcome? He's had a red. Oh I God. know. I know. I asked him about It's almost crossing over. When dude, I, I, asked him, I asked insane. him this, and I was like, dude, you've been uh, – I, I essentially, as nicely as possible, said, damn, you old. And he kind of, you know, he, he laughed about it. And he's like, yeah, I've got a lot of experience and you know he spins that into a positive he's seen a lot of things and not a lot confuses him now it's just about going out to execute and so i thought that those two guys have done a decent job i don't know do you have do you have any thoughts on king or purdy or or uh or cone or thompson yeah i mean i those are guys that when you watch the tape it's you know i'm trying to figure out if if they're draftable i think is the question mark right now and i, I think when you look at you know maybe thompson and purdy they got a shot uh, cone for me you know it's just been a wild ride yeah. for him at college and he's a long island guy so there's a lot of people you know out here in the northeast obviously rooting for him when he was at wisconsin and then that carries over to notre dame i think dear king was the guy going into the year you know you look at this shrine group now if you rewind back to august he was the guy i would consider that i'm most intrigued by with the way the league's going I did not think he'd be 5'8", number one. And I'm not like Mr. Like, oh, you have to be this I measurement think Miami, threshold I think to Miami do anything. I think Miami has him listed at 5'11". Let me look. 
They do. That's what I, I literally updated my doc yesterday uh, and changed it from 511 to the official measurement Man. at Shrine. And like, that's not doing him any favors, dude. Like, that's just not, that's never happened in the NFL. I don't think it ever really will happen. Like, to context, Kyler Murray is a legitimate 510, and Kyler Murray is the most special, special, you know, specimen uh, at that size and position. So, I think for me, and I don't want to ever tell a guy what to do, Trevor, but like it, it might serve Derek King even better to to be working out at different right. areas right now, whether that's, you know, a scat back, whether that's a slot receiver, special teams. Uh, I respect him going for it at quarterback, but, you know, it's it's going to be a, an uphill climb for this group. I think it's you you nailed it. It's not the best group at Shrine. And, um, you know, it's just there's not a lot of guys in the world that can play this position. Right. It's what it comes down to. This is not a good quarterback class as a whole. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is a group that, you know, we're talking about, are they going to be, you know, they're probably going to be UDFA signings rather than seventh round picks at this point in my eyes. Being brutally yeah, no, honest. No, and, and uh, man, Derek is is an awesome young man. I, I got to sit down and and, and, awesome. and and talk to him a little bit actually during the summer, not here at the Shrine Bowl. I haven't had that chance, but uh, I talked to him during the summer and just super bright, very intelligent, great head on his shoulders. He, he's, he's such a great dude. And uh, I'd love for him to have, have a successful NFL career. I just don't think it's going to be a quarterback. I do think that he's probably going to have to switch positions to make that happen. And, um, you know, I just hope that he makes the best decision, whatever, whatever it is for him. And, um, he's happy with it one way or another, but that's just kind of our thoughts, seeing things there. I, let's give let's give some love to the big uglies. Well, I, I shouldn't call big ugly. I'm not, I, not everybody's ugly. You know, that's, that's a bad phrase. I shouldn't be saying that. Yeah, you can be yeah, big let's, and handsome. Let's give some shout-outs to the big beautifuls, all right? Let's talk about the offensive linemen, some offensive tackles, and some defensive linemen uh, that have stood out to me. Defensive side of the ball, Mark McCall, the defensive tackle from Kentucky. His nickname is literally Bully and could not have been more on point that first day of practices. He was just eating centers and interior offensive linemen alive. Poor Alec Lindstrom. Just this is this is a guy who's normally better on the hoof. He's a zone blocking kind of an interior offensive lineman and center. And McCall was just plowing him, push pulling him, just abusing him all over. And um, yeah, it was it was a rough outing for Lindstrom on that first one. But that's that's tough going up against those kinds of uh, opponents, especially when you're one on one in those drills. So he definitely stood out to me. Matthew Butler. The interior defensive tackle for uh, Tennessee, man, he was flashing. He looked twitchy. He was a, you could tell that he went into this Shrine Bowl saying, I want to impress people with how good I can be as a one gap penetrator. And so this is your kind of three tech player who really wants to get upfield, be a pass rusher. He was able to do that over the last couple of days. I think that it's certainly in that first day, he was able to stand out. Didn't have as many splash plays in the second day of practice, but we've got a couple more practices. And then obviously the game for him to stand out there um, on the offensive side of the ball, three offensive linemen that I want to highlight. One is Bam Olaseni, who is the offensive tackle from Utah comes from London, grew up in London, and is actually really, I mean, he's been playing American football for a long time, but it was like rec league stuff. You know, like when he was kind of coming of age around 18, like being a young adult, he was... Zog sports. Dude, it was football. like it was like the, this, yeah, like rec league, low grade football, and then he got into. I think it was a community college that he was able to be able to play football, and then um, he was able to reach out to some American schools. Got in with Utah, was limited as a starter with Utah, but was able to start a little bit and grow as an offensive tackle. Um, Connor, this guy's measurables are unbelievable. Have you seen them? Yes, uh, total freak show. 
Absolutely. And I heard he's moving well at that size. Six foot seven, 348 pounds, 36 and a half inch arm length, 88 and three eighths wingspan. I sat to him. I sat to him. I sat next to him interviewing him. And during the interview, I said, dude, can you just long arm me right now? Can you just like put your arm out and just like let me see how inferior my puny normal arms are to you? And he did. He laughed and he put out his one arm and my like the end of my middle finger went like uh, not even to his armpit. Basically, like I couldn't like I couldn't even come <laughs> close to reaching the dude. That number 88 and three eighths wingspan is either the number one or number two um number in the combine database which is since 1999 over at mockdraftbook.com so we are talking about the absolute 99th percentile and he does he moves really well now he gets exposed by guys who know what they're doing a little bit more in the pass rush category he gets caught off balance a little bit which he needs to definitely work on keep his flexibility right keep his core strength right and i think that he could certainly do that and also I asked him when he really started to learn that long arm technique, when he was able to do that and really neutralize guys. And he said it really wasn't until he got to Utah and they were able to teach him what he was able to do with his arms. And you can tell he what he wants to do. He wants to dictate the point of attack. He wants to be the first one to strike because he gets that distance and he can keep guys away from his chest. Now, he gets baited into doing that a little bit. And sometimes the hand placement isn't where it needs to be. And the offensive lineman can either get up under his pads or swim the hand out and then move, move over uh, attacking one shoulder or the other. And so you could tell that he's just, he, he's learning really how to use his tools, but he's moving super well. Wanted to highlight him there. The two other offensive linemen uh, that I really liked. UConn's uh, Ryan Van DeMark. He was great, man. I thought he was super in control no matter what shape or size pass rusher rusher he was going against. I didn't even know this dude before this week. I really didn't, and he stood out to me so much. I've got to go back and watch his tape a lot more. And then the third offensive lineman that I want to give a shout-out to, Gene DeLance, the offensive tackle. Um, Right and left tackle is what he has played for the University of Florida over his Gators career. The reason why I wanted to point him out, not only because he had a pretty dang good day of practice this past day, this second day, but also because I asked him, hey, scout comes up to you and says, tell me what your best tape is. Tell me what game I need to turn on to see the best that you have to offer. You know what he said? He said Alabama. He said Will Anderson. He said Will Anderson by name. And and he said it – it, it is bold. And he smiled and he said, it's not my most dominant tape, but I gave Will Anderson a run for his money. He said, I, I, he said, I got I the better that. of Will Anderson on a lot of reps. And he said, he, he had all the respect in the world for Anderson. He said, he's one of the best, if not the best pass rusher he's ever gone up against. But he said, I got my reps against him, just like he got a couple on me, but I was going toe for toe with one of the best pass rushers in college football. And I absolutely love that about him. Dude, that's awesome. And, and he, he wouldn't say that if he's just getting rocked the entire right. time. So you know it's legit. And also the self-awareness to go, listen, I, am, I, am, I, am, I giving, am I getting credit for giving up pressures or quarterback hits or anything like that? Sure. But I'm also showing that this is a guy that's going to be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. And I have legitimate tape competing against him. So that's a cool, cool moment. I'll go back to Bam Olaseni. Um, obviously someone that you highlighted is just a mammoth at six foot seven. The wingspan is insane. The background's really interesting coming from London. 
And, and Trevor, why he's so intriguing, I think, is when you look at the tools, you know, a former four-star takes a little while to get on the field at Utah, has to sit basically two years. The one-year starter plays left tackle. This is kind of the draft and stash special yes. right here with yes. him. You're looking at him and going, you have the size, you have the tools that, like I said to you right out of the gate, that when you were about to read his size, I said, I, he, he moves well at that size. The, the right offensive line coach can look at him and go, man, you have the wingspan where you should never be getting beat in pass pro if we could sturdy up that anchor, and we're going to see what we can do to get you going in the run game. So really intrigued by him, and I'll take one back on the defensive side as well, not to just repeat. Uh, when you look at you know Bully Ball McCall, uh, the, who I just the, – the lad is the size of a doorframe, man. And, and this is a player that you know I think he came in there – you know, came back in spring ball and, and got down from 380 to 340 around there. The fact that he's willing to put in the work, lost 40 pounds, team captain, that's special to me. And he's not somebody that's going to play more than, you know, 30% of snaps at the next level. He's a true nose guard. He's going to play at 335, and between 335 and 350. He's going to eat space. He's going to stop the run. And he's going to be that big, mean bully in the middle. So I'm not surprised that he's bringing that to Vegas because that's what he can do on college tape. And I think he's finding his right footing with work ethic and weight management that, hey, maybe I can not just be a guy that's on the field for goal line situations or fourth and one, fourth and two, quarterback sneak situations. I'm somebody that, can I find my role and get my footing as a rotational defensive lineman in a base defense against the run early downs? Or or can I show some maybe some pass rush juice? I don't know. The best might be ahead of him. So I like that you brought up bully ball uh mccall on that one that's a good one man and i and i'll speak to it this this group we went through the quarterbacks and it was kind of like yeah i don't know if these guys will get drafted you look at the guys in the trenches here this group is going to be in a much better range yeah, for the a draft. lot of guys standing out in the trenches this week which has been awesome to see you mentioned uh javon Hiley, the wide receiver from coastal carolina he was looking pretty crisp in his routes over the last two days he was definitely standing out a little bit so i'm glad that you mentioned him i had three other wide receivers i wanted to bring to the table kyle phillips the slot wide receiver from ucla absolutely cooking fools with how well he has been able to use his footwork against corners that have just man been helpless now i will say this uh i was i was standing next to uh one of the raven scouts at practice and um you know he was he he was saying i don't know if i've ever seen an all-star group of corners and safeties draw more holding penalties get more grabby than these guys and so it's it's, it's not, not it's not great competition level but man getting off press getting off the line of scrimmage kyle phillips has created that instant separation with how great he is route running how controlled and explosive he is in short areas so that's a guy that i definitely noted there josh johnson the wide receiver from tulsa another player who wins very similarly wins very good off of press coverage and off the line of scrimmage with some really fast feet and when he puts his foot in the ground he goes he changes direction he is twitchy he is explosive and at this event and at a lot of all-star events you want to be able to see which guys stand out athletically and 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 at the shrine bowl especially for this group going up against this group of corners which isn't great you want to see these wide receivers really stand out because that will mean that they, they, they're maybe that NFL caliber level. And I'm telling you, Josh Johnson has done a great job over the last two days of making that difference, being that twitched up athlete, being fantastic in and out of his breaks and just being too much for guys to handle, creating a lot of separation in that way. The last wide receiver that I wanted to mention, Jarrett Stearns. You brought him up, Connor, uh, in a in a previous, maybe best in a of the previous draft. podcast. And it, man, this is a guy who 
led the country in yards after the catch was part of that Western Kentucky offense with uh, Bailey Zappi and, and, uh, and, and Zach Kitley as the offensive coordinator there, putting up monster NCAA record numbers. Jarrett Stearns was on the opposite end of a lot of those Bailey Zappi passes. And so this is a smaller guy. He showed up way smaller than I thought he was going to be five foot seven, 183 pounds, got the chance to also sit down and talk with him. And I said, Hey, what do you want to prove to people this week? And he smiled and he said, I want to show people that I'm a contested catch wide receiver just as much as I am a slot Love separator. That. And you know what? Day one, they threw him a corner ball at the front pylon in the end zone. He went up and he got it over somebody and he did. And he caught it through the contact. And that was great to see. He is an NFL player among a lot of guys that are probably going to be struggling for either draftable grades or practice squad slots. I think Jarrett Stearns has shown that he has pro game uh, to what he has been able to bring to the Shrine Bowl. And guys like that, that's just the story of their life sometimes where they're better equipped for that kind of challenge at the next level, right? When you look at Stearns, he was, you know, obviously at Houston Baptist. We've talked about this. Then goes to Western Kentucky. You know, he transferred up essentially because of what he did at Houston Baptist. And then he'll be a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick. And he'll have to make his way on the, you know, the practice squad or the back end of the roster as a sixth wide receiver, play special teams be a backup slot guy or a third string slot guy. That's just the road for those guys. And those guys, as you alluded to, Trevor, have a different mindset and they're more equipped for the competition rather than just being along for the ride. So Stearns is a guy that I am betting on. I don't care if he's not even drafted. I am betting on to hang around an NFL roster for a good amount of time. And why we're doing wide receivers here, since you are in Vegas living it up uh, to Mm. some extent, uh, I got to be home and actually watch the NFL PA bowl. So a little small consolation here. So I want to throw a wide receiver in the mix that absolutely earned to get a shout out on today's show. And that's day John Dixon, uh, the wide receiver from nickel state, good size, six foot three, 200 pounds, good tracking, only dropped three passes this year in his breakout season, thousand yard wide receiver this year. Uh, has really been good for the last three years, but goes to the NFL PA Bowl and, and just show I mean, dominant performance, right? Six catches, 131 yards, a touchdown. Uh, once again, the good, really good tracking, really good tracking on the over-the-shoulder balls, uh, can get down the field vertically, can bit size works in the middle of the field. So he's someone that I actually wish was at Shrine, and, and good for him for taking the NFL PA bowl invite and making the absolute most out of it and being in my eyes the most dominant player of that game so it just goes to show you that you know we did our wide receiver preview on thursday and that was the ground floor a lot of first round guys a lot of top 50 guys a couple day two guys we're talking day three of the class and we're looking at shrine wide receivers and an nflpa bowl wide receiver and i think these guys sure they might not be rookie contributors but they are talented enough to hang around at the nfl level and just so it shows you how deep once again the skill class really it, is i love that you're giving the shout out to the nfl pa bowl guys well we'll we'll wrap it up on some special teams i did want to mention because you, like you said some of these guys special teams are going to be a way that they stick on the roster that they make it in there in, on some of these practice squads and they get to stick around kyle phillips that wide receiver from ucla looked like the best kick and punt returner that was out there when they were running through special teams drills so make sure you note that too if you like him as a wide receiver which teams are going to also having that special teams ability that's going to give him a leg up on some of these other guys and then had to mention the punter ryan stonehouse man this dude can drop bombs i mean (laughs) the sound the ball makes coming off of this dude's foot was an absolute marvel look you know not to insult special teams right coaches say you got to win all three games hell Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing this past weekend because they didn't take special teams seriously enough. So all respect to the special teams guys. 
Connor, you know how it goes. When we're at these all-star events, when the, when, the, when the horn goes off, when the whistle blows, when the alarm says to change to the next drill and it's a special teams drill, eh, you go to the bathroom. You mingle a little, you oh, mingle yeah. a little bit. You talk, to, you, you talk mingle. to the people around you. You maybe walk around and change locations. You're really paying attention. Oh, That's kind of what was happening this morning when we were going through special teams practices. But everybody kind of stopped as they continued to hear just these boom, boom off the foot of Stonehouse, and everybody kind of was like, "Okay, let's sit here and watch this punter drop bombs way down the field with pinpoint accuracy." So, I had to give Ryan Stonehouse a shout out because uh, he was uh, he he's been fantastic this week, and he got a bunch of us to really care and pay attention to the special teams drill, which is uh, which is a feat of in itself. He's one of the best college punters I've ever seen for a guy to be in the draft doc, you know, well before the all-star game invite even happens. Usually I find a lot of my special teams players, uh, specialists, right? Not kick returners and punt returners, but long snappers, punters, and kickers. A good amount of them you find through college all-star invites. Now, Trevor, he's been in there. He's been in there because this man kicked an 81 yard punt this year. And if you do not believe me, I, I grant you permission. And this is the only time I will grant permission. You can pause the pod, open up YouTube and just search the Stonehouse 81 <laughs> yard punt this year. So he is. Yeah, I had two notes for him uh, in my draft doc. It was kicked an 81 yard punt this year. One of the best college punters I've ever seen. So love that he's out there doing his thing and uh no he, was, he was also ever. awesome uh tailgate dudes austin gale was interviewing him for a little bit and he was just he was such a cool dude uh listening to their conversation and getting to hear what they were talking about and you know they were just talking about special team stuff and just general football stuff he seems like a really great dude so great dude um he seems like he has a lot of fun in the game obviously a fantastic punter so there it is there's the list that's what we're bringing to the table uh, if you guys took a look at the shrine bowl list guys that were there if you've been watching practice or highlights on twitter and you want to know our thoughts Connor's thoughts, my thoughts from from being able to watch his practice. Tweet at us at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers on Twitter. Um, just ask us about some of these prospects. Maybe what we think if we haven't gotten to a guy yet. Yeah, you can give us a shout out. Put him on our radar if we've seen him. We'll tell you what we think, and if we haven't seen him, we'll we'll tell you that. We'll head to the tape. We'll see if we can get some time to put some eyeballs on him. So, yeah, if there's anybody on the Shrine list that we didn't get to that you'd love to hear some thoughts on, tweet at us. We'll be sure um, to to do our best to to get you our thoughts there that's a little bit of a shrine recap on tomorrow's episode we're switching gears because shrine and senior bowl are so close they're bleeding over a little bit we're getting right into our shrine or our senior bowl previews for the week connor mentioned it he's gonna be there i'm gonna be there we're gonna have some live pods which we're together which i'm sure the uh, the chemistry there is gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a super show it's gonna be fantastic hopefully oh, yeah. uh maybe some people can stop by on the show because a lot of media p- people are in mobile for that but on tomorrow's episode we are going to go down position by position talk about all of the guys that are in mobile for this year's senior bowl give you our preliminary thoughts who we're looking forward to watching what we're looking forward to watching from each of the position groups um that we have in mobile and connor man i'm excited for this year man this is this is a really nice group of senior bowl players and we got a lot of future nfl players from potential first rounders all the way through the draft that we're going to get to see in mobile this year Dude, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a, a big time show, big time episode, getting to preview all those position groups, as you said, some of our favorites. And then, of course, we'll also get to while we're down there, kind of recap what we saw uh, through four practices already. So boots on the ground is big. 
hopefully get to catch up with some people, you know, kind of bring some scouting buzz to the table as well for these uh, next couple of shows or next couple of weeks of shows three times a week, which has been great. Obviously, being together makes things a little bit yes. more fun. Yes. Uh, we'll probably be a little bit of a longer show when you download on Thursday, which will be really good. And obviously, Mondays, will, uh, Tuesdays will be big as well. But yeah, I just can't wait to get down there and be around practices again. And this is going to be, we're, I don't want to spoil it, but this is going to be a really good opportunity to really distinguish some of these yes, quarterbacks 100%. that are down there. The quarterback crop at the senior bowl is big time. And man, it's just, it feels good. This is the draft cycle where we're not even catching our breath today, tonight, as we are past midnight again, our time here. I don't know when anyone's listening to this, but we're recapping shrine. And then of course, tomorrow we're previewing senior bowl. And then the show after that, we're recapping yep. senior bowl. And then we get to slow down and kind of digest everything leading up to the combine, which will be a really, really good process. So man, we're, we're flying at a wild pace right now. Yep. But I'm no, it's, it. it is the best time of year, man. It is the best time of year to watch the NFL playoffs and, and, and get to be at these all-star events and get to learn about these prospects, man. We're going to have some teams need coaches. This is true. We're, we're still going coach. through that a little bit. Right I, I feel like I've plugged the, the coaching show. If you guys haven't listened to that, we did a full coaching and GM episode last week on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to that, I feel like I've plugged it so many times because a lot of the coaches that we talked about on that show are getting jobs. So if you want to hear about some of our thoughts there, you can go back and listen to those shows. We're going to have plenty of stock up, stock down information for you here on the NFL Stock Exchange when it comes to the Senior Bowl. And that all starts with our preview, which happens next episode. We'll see you guys then.